All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, second episode of the Neural Networker. Here we go. Um, so, you know, what are we going to talk about? You know, so let's see. Um, like I said before, too, I'm, um, you know, I'm just kind of learning as I go. Uh, I'm just kind of winging it here. Don't really have much of a structure. Um, just kind of again winging it, just going with it, going with the flow, as they say. Um, I have some, of course, some list of topics on my desk um, that I had written. So, of course, um, a rough layout, I guess you can say. And uh, you know, with the help of ChatGPT, of course, I have some content ideas, uh, a lot of them. And um, you know, when it comes to each episode, episode by episode, I don't really uh, jump into it with an intent. Or I don't intend on jumping into it with an intent. <laughs> At least uh, that's not my the way I've done things up until now. I guess um, I kind of go, I do, I refine, I do, I refine, and then I I go hard, if you will, like you know, fall in. Um, you know, so some of the topics I hear, so some of the more, uh, you know, on the first episode, I went really high level into a little bit of my, myself, you know, what I, um, you know, what I hope to achieve with this podcast and who is the right viewer. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to maybe potentially talk a little bit more about, uh, my background, you know, some of the, the work I've done in the past, um, and so forth. Uh, AI as a whole was the topic, chat GPT. Um, and, you know, something that's always been of interest to me is creativity. And, uh, you know, of course, drilling a little bit deeper, um, music and, and in particular tech, you know, uh, the geeky side, of course. Uh, to me, it has to always bring the tech, the tech and music. Um, you know, it's very cool to, you know, well, first... Going back to music, it's music is very personal, right? It's a it's a very unique experience individually for each one of us. You know, depending on the time, the phase in your life, whatever you're going through, um, certain songs might mean something to you more than other songs, and certain other times in your life, other songs will mean certain things. And um, you know, more often than not, I don't know about you guys, um, more often than not, some days, you know, I just don't feel like, don't feel it, you know, I don't feel full throttle, <laughs> if you will, or not even half throttle sometimes, and um, um, I find, you know, music is awesome, you know, especially in those times, right, you know, I have a kind of like a morning ritual, if you will, just kind of put on some music in my headphones, and just, you know, it doesn't always have to be pump-up music, just like whatever, just something, um, and of course, you know, uh, when you have uh, the, when you when you get into the rabbit hole of all this audio stuff and whatnot, and get into all these high end headphones and you know good quality sound and all that stuff, all that fun stuff, um, you know, you sit there and you 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 appreciate, right? You appreciate every note, and uh, you know, it's kind of like an emotional uh, experience. Well, not kind of, it is. It is. Uh, it's art, right? That's what it's supposed to do. Good art, at least. Um, you know, so yeah, that's something special to me always, and I feel like uh, everyone should embrace it, uh, especially when they're feeling down, because it will happen. You know, we're human. That's just how we are. And uh, other 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 aspects of creativity and how tech has impacted it, photography, 
obviously that's very um clear how tech has impacted it um you know we've we've gone really far actually when it comes to photography when we you know manipulating light um digitization of those images and creating some amazing uh, visuals you know um so i myself actually am a self-proclaimed photographer <laughs> uh I, i'm a photographer yes in the past i've done um you know more of a hobbyist photographer but i did do you know semi hobbyist slash professional kind of stuff and there were times where i did get paid for little shoots here and there not much at all just to pay for my gear <laughs> that's all that it came down to that's all i cared about um but yeah anyways i've always had like a little knack for just grabbing and holding a camera i just felt cool um same thing with audio gear even this podcast stuff i don't know i just find it cool <laughs> um you know i think i do i do appreciate i'm not saying more than others but i do have a, a you know i feel like there's a right brain side um and i definitely appreciate uh, the value of creativity and art in general in society and um you know when you blend the merge the left brain and the right brain right the left being the left brain being the tech if you will and the right brain being the creativity the art form um you can create really some powerful stuff right you can you can move people that's really how um uh you move people um <laughs> uh, you know if you actually look historically right um any people of influence whether they're good or bad uh, um they definitely leveraged um art form in some medium in some shape or form um to their advantage and uh yeah of course you can't go unacknowledged and uh you know why can't we leverage this for ourselves right um you know why can't we uh, take knowledge and uh, try to apply it it's not as easy as uh as easy as said as done so easy it done it's easier said than done sometimes things that we say and um no doubt um, it's just a matter of i guess reminding ourselves right um just to constantly do it but yeah so going back to uh my earlier point was okay what are we going to talk about <laughs> um you know just go a little bit back into my i guess my background and what um my career has been a little bit so i studied um mechanical engineering and business management um and uh you know i just kind of to be completely frank with you the reason i did mechanical was because one of the reasons was because it's the hardest <laughs> of all most of them um it's mechanical and electrical like electrical computer electrical and computer engineering um and mechanical those are definitely up there right um, those are the harder ones and I just, you know, of course, as a kid, I was like, oh, whatever, I'll do the hardest one. I could do all of them. I know all of them. And also, to be completely frank with you, there's a lot going on at the time when I was a kid and um, didn't really know much. I didn't even know who the heck I was, to be completely frank with you. Um, I didn't know what I was good at, what I wasn't good at. I had no idea um, what was what. All I knew was that I was good at math, you know. Um, my father was, was a, is an engineer, you know, master's of civil engineering. And my brother, oldest brother, was... A, um a mechanical engineer and uh so i just kind of like oh you know it's automated uh that's right so it's an automated decision um all i cared about at the time was you know meeting new people making friends partying whatever those kind of things and um you know for for reasons that we, you won't go into at least in this episode you just again a lot going on just personal stuff there wasn't a lot of people 
Um, you know, there was a lot of family drama. I'm sure every every family, every household there is, right? So, um, nonetheless, it uh, you know you don't really know what you want to do for the rest of your life at the age of 17, right? So, uh, you know, you kind of actually have to try to decide at the age 16 because to take courses. Um, Right, that that kind of plans for it, which is hard. You know, it's hard to demand at the time. Um, nonetheless, um, I I knew I loved tech. I love science. You know, I was always curious about how things worked. I've uh, I enjoyed math, <laughs> which was I guess weird. You know, everyone everyone hated math, but for some reason I loved it. It it came natural to me, and uh, part of that was because of my my father. <laughs> Uh, he was always, uh, you know, he's, he's keen on math. He was always a big math guy. Um, he like remembered all numbers, uh, his phone numbers. I mean, that's not math, but like, you know, in his head and he just always did, you know, quick math. And in fact, when I was a kid, my lullaby wasn't lullaby. It was, it was a multiplication table. <laughs> like times two is four, times three is six, you know, I would just fall asleep, uh, which is awesome, you know? And then he would always kind of ask me what, what I'm learning in school and then he would try to teach me a year ahead he would always say you know if you're not ahead of the class then you're behind uh, which i appreciate you know now in retrospect of course um anyway so you know i have always uh, i've always found math to not be easy but a good challenge you know a good challenge in a way that i liked it i enjoyed it i loved the problem i loved uh, solving a problem and then the feeling that you get you know, when you're at the bottom, the last line of the, you know, when you're working through the solution at the bottom of it, ooh, and you feel, and you, you underline it, and you do the whole dot, dot, you know, the three dots, therefore, boom, boom, write your answer, amazing. <laughs> Best feelings in life. So, you know, one of the cool things about math is that um, the opposite of the arts, I guess, it's, it's not open to interpretation, you know, most of the time, I would say, I guess, all the time, you know, two plus two is four. Um, the time it's open to interpretation, I guess you can say, hey, three plus one is also four. There's more ways than one to get to one uh, number, no doubt. But, you know, in mathematics, um, it's an absolute kind of world, right? And in mathematics, it's an entirely different language. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not really numbers per se. Like, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's a language. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's therapeutic in a way. Um, it's calming in a way. There's like there's a there's a sense of calm in its complexity yet simplicity, <laughs> and you know it's a beautiful thing when you understand the language, right? So when you understand the language, you can make up sentences and you can understand sentences on the fly, right? Math is kind of similar. If you memorize it, you're not gonna really do stuff. You're not gonna really be able to. Uh, un you don't really understand it. But when you understand the language, you're able to, you know, manipulate equations, derive equations, and actually understand how things are made. And and it's a great foundation. There's a reason why math is, is taught at an earlier age and, and stressed upon, because it's a foundation upon everything that we live on and, and you know, and everything's built on, really, um, you know, uh, without sidetracking too much. But, like, you know, lucid motors, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. Um, you know, I'm sure you have, right? They're, I think, uh, um, well, they're not Tesla's competitor, biggest competitor or anything like that yet, but they're just kind of launching. Um, the big boss there used to be Tesla's Model S boss. And, uh, you know, it was a big guy in, in Tesla. It was one of the biggest reasons, I feel, I think, he, you know, that he that he made Tesla successful. Anyway, he left, started uh, Lucid, Lucid Motors. 
Uh, pretty cool. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. Cool car. I, I'm a fan. I like it. It's kind of like the EV, um, as an Aston Martin. It's like luxury, super fast, uh, super expensive, but awesome. And I've seen a couple in California in the road, actually a few, and uh, on the highway, and it was gorgeous. Like, it's way better than what you see in the pictures. It takes up space. <laughs> If that makes sense, any sense, you know, it takes up space, it's wide, it's got some oomph to it, it's got a presence. Anyways, I like it. No no, um, no advertising dollars were paid, unfortunately, <laughs> for this. Uh, they're welcome to um, hit me up, you know where to find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, that guy, I actually, I'm blanking on his name right now, um, the CEO, uh... Shoot. Anyways, he's an engineer, he's a CTO um, kind of person, and you know he does these tech talks on YouTube. It's really cool. It's uh, quite interesting if you're into it. Go check it out. Um, and there were some talks that he does, and you know he was talking about a curve, a particular power curve that the electric motor has, and you know he drew it out. And you know this curve is actually pretty. Uh, I don't. I, I won't say simple, but you do learn it in you know in engineering uh, courses. Um, I don't think it's even that that advanced. It was I think second year, or even third year, or something like that. Um, third year probably. Nonetheless, um, not too sophisticated. You know, a simple chart that that showed you know the power curve for an electric motor and you know what the curve is and where the where the parameters are where it should be for optimal performance etc so that simple curve was that that you know his entire job from a technical perspective that was the entire cto's job so when he was interviewing people for that role i believe he was he was kind of asking that question hey what do you what how can you do this you know and you know an entire team of i don't know x amount at least you know a couple of hundred i would say are responsible for bringing something like that to life right so ultimately things come from simple math equations and simple um curves power curve uh like you know um charts mathematical charts uh, so it's very important it's very important to know so yeah um you know math is good <laughs> um you know so going back to what i was saying earlier yeah um engineering i wanted to do engineering i know that right it's just i didn't want to do fully um it just wasn't entirely me right uh, i enjoyed uh, science, I enjoyed math, I enjoyed um, everything that came with it, but it's just, you know, there was another side to me, there was definitely, um, you know, a side to me that, that enjoyed talking to people, that enjoyed meeting new people, um, then going out and, you know, learning from people's experiences, you know, um, just to kind of get out there and talk to, to, um uh different folks in from different walks of life just kind of with different stories right each person has a different perspective on the exact same thing that happens so you know it's always cool to see somebody else's perspective on you know life just topics and um you know it's tough to to not always uh because you're going to find people that you're not going to agree with, right? There's going to be people that are going to have different opinions than you, 
right? Um, and that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. And I, and I, and I think you know more people should welcome that, right? Um, uh, more people should kind of uh, 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 invite uh, an environment where it's uh, you know it's okay to be different. Okay. Anyway, so. Uh, engineering and business management uh, is what I did. Uh, mechanical was, you know, in hindsight, probably wasn't the best choice, right? It wasn't something that um, I I enjoyed too much. Um, you know, if I were to go back and do it all over again, um, of course, I would do software. Um, engineering, however, was the best, uh, I think, you know, the good decision, amazing good amazing good decision <laughs> that I did so that I made and uh, but just going back I would learn software so what ended up happening is even third year or so I kind of realized this or it was even the beginning of fourth year maybe and uh, you know it was kind of too late and I just didn't really want to you know I didn't really think it made sense so I started learning on my own I went on YouTube I just learned about databases SQL um, you know, what, what it takes, uh, to create one. Um, and then, I learned, you know, C plus plus, and of course the whole like shebang, right. And, you know, machine code and, you know, what the relationships are. And, uh, of course learning the theory behind it. And, uh, you know, in first year we all have to do, regardless of what, discipline in engineering you do we all have to do certain courses right first and second year more or less um and in those years you have to everyone does intro to programming and does you know c plus plus and them different things um you know so we had some you know we got our hands dirty a little bit our feet wet um but you know we just wanted to dabble i wanted to dabble a little bit more and and dive a little bit deeper um and it also it helped that my a lot of my friends uh were actually in the software world so a lot of my my buddies were in uft doing ece and uh you know it was good it was good because they were you know i i learned a lot lot from them and uh you know i learned a little bit more you know at the time software wasn't really a thing it wasn't like today, you know, uh, software was, uh, that was when Google was just being launched and I just kind of aged myself, uh, but it just were, was launched and, you know, it was successful for a while. And, you know, that's kind of what got everyone excited. Right. Um, but nonetheless, it wasn't, it wasn't as popular as it is today. So, you know, for that reason, um, you know, but I, it, and I was also fortunate enough to go to a school. It was, uh, you know, that that basically, you know, allowed that supplied you with a lot of software. Um, you know, you get your own laptop, and and you're using a lot of software, hands on. You know, I used uh, SAS like SAS, statistical analysis software, SolidWorks. Um, you know, and then we all used. Uh, Truth, I'm, I'm blanking on them right now. There were so many um, machine learning software, data mining. You know, at the time, data mining was the, the term, one of the terms that was used. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time. So, um, with that said, you know, that was my background. I did engineering and business management. Uh, I learned, you know, software and the data side um, mostly on my own. I, so I worked in insurance so i worked in insurance um uh while i was actually in school so while i was in school you know for you know it's a long story but i basically had you know i was financing my my um 
my uh, shelter, my food, my, you know, all my kind of stuff. So I was working mostly throughout all of uh, university and uh, I got lucky, right? So I actually got um, a job. I went to a job fair and I got a role um, as, a, as an agent at Allstate Insurance Company. And uh, sorry, my apologies. Not all. Uh, not all state and uh, not at that time <laughs> that's when i that's when i graduated at that time it was um a little, little small broker i was 18 at the time um it was a small broker called great power insurance brokers they were actually recently purchased by intact intact insurance and i just started uh with the with the company and i was actually i think one of the the youngest um who just cars they just started like this student program and it was uh it was pretty cool and uh, i enjoyed it i learned quite a bit you know from it so i worked full-time throughout university um in sales capacity and prior to that i also worked with my brother um you know i'll talk about that in another episode but you know my brother started his own company as well and you know i had a i had a lot of practice with uh you know helping him with the marketing side you know at the time there wasn't email uh well sorry there was email but it wasn't like today fax was prominent mail was very prominent um and uh you know my mail marketing or marketing at that time was more direct mail um less email it was mostly faxes and mail so you know i helped with my i helped my brother with uh mail merge you know at the time with microsoft word and uh, i think different word processors also also carried it so you're able to you know do variable and match it with the with the data list right um so you were able to do marketing stuff and uh you know send out the word uh via faxes and uh, direct mail and uh, it looked like there was some response and uh you know so that was kind of my my first foray into to scaling marketing systems more or less you know and uh it was a, with the technology at the time and it was fun i always remember at those um you know anytime i i worked on these kind of things on entrepreneurial events with my brother at the time um you know I, even though i was at a young age it was something i enjoyed um yeah so carrying that with me um once i graduated i graduated with a significant amount of experience in you know entrepreneurship sales marketing um you know at the same time i also enjoyed challenges technical challenges so i went more deeper um into more deeper yeah exactly uh deeper into um the the data sorry the te technical stuff so i so i uh, transitioned actually to to head office um you know i, I think it was actually a year and something after i joined allstate as a bda so that's an agent um a very cool role um actually so you know it, it acts as an entrepreneurial role where you're you're responsible for your own clients, right? You have to go and get it. You have to do your own marketing, but you have an extremely powerful brand, right? Allstate, it's recognizable. Everyone knows it. Um, so, you know, you well, you do have to go, go do your own quote-unquote hustling, right? You have to go get out there. You have to be hungry. Um, you're kind of competing with their own internal call center, right? They don't have to cut commissions 
but they have to cut very fat commissions uh, to people like me <laughs> at the time, right? So as an agent, you can make ins- like pretty good money, like very good money. Um, you know, and at the time I was uh, 24, you know, and uh, it was actually a big decision for me to move from uh, that role to head office. It was actually a pay cut. <laughs> Most people don't uh, do such a crazy thing. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to get a little bit more, uh, of a technical thing, but anyway, this was all kind of going, talking about, um, what my background is in tech and how I got here today. Right. So, um, the answer to that is, uh, yeah, this, you know, so my, my school or my background in engineering, um, what has been, you know, via this adventure, this journey and my personality, um, you know, kind of drove me to experiment with the two, two, these two, these two different worlds. Okay. Um, you know, if you hear me a little bit confused or a little bit uh, stuttery a little bit more uh, today, it's just because I think I'm experiencing a little bit of technical problems. You know, the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> just as we were recording, all of a sudden, I felt a little bit of a difference in the delay. Um, anyway, yeah, so, you know, my, my passion for business and my, my also for need for being challenged um, you know, kind of led me being, uh, me being led to a data science role, um, at, uh, head office. Okay. So we worked on a lot of different projects, you know, we worked as, uh, we were shared services more or less. Right. So, you know, different, uh, parts of the company, you know, and in insurance, we have some unique parts uh, that most companies don't all come other companies don't have like claims departments, for example, actuaries and things like that. Um, so you work with, with um, excuse me, you work with different companies, uh, sorry, different, uh, you know, it's actually many companies, each department in large organizations, right? Um, you work with them, uh, stakeholders, you know, create dashboards, reports, you know, create data pipelines uh, for actuaries, create uh, data pipelines for R&D folks. Um, you know, create uh, automated systems. Um, I worked on you know the, uh, the DriveWise program on its early stages. It was actually very cool. So DriveWise is uh, usage-based insurance. Um, it's where they track your driving. Don't worry, not your location. <laughs> um, not in Canada, anyways. I don't know about the U.S. Uh, nonetheless, Fisco, which is a Canadian regulator or Ontario regulator, wouldn't allow for location tracking. Um, and I don't think they even tried to push for it. But nonetheless, the main thing it was an algorithm that based on, you know, your the time of day that you drive and the number of kilometers and, you know, braking and, you know, it's essentially how aggressive of a driver you are, how safe of a driver you are, of course, risk uh, mitigation. Um, and based on that, they, you know, which they should uh, discount. Um, and what, you know, of course, a big part of that, uh, and, and prior to even uh, getting the lens discount, you get a discount for enrolling into the program. That's more or less a way you're buying data, right? Um, you know, so I had the pleasure, I was super lucky enough to be in the, on the round table from the very get-go, just kind of technical considerations from a data perspective. Um, you know, I wasn't at the data team. Uh, you know, we were the, the data folks and, uh, you know, that was our thing. So, yeah, that's kind of been a little bit of my, my experience in the data, data science side. Now, you know, with all that data, uh, especially through usage-based insurance, I had the pleasure of dabbling with 
uh, ML, right? Uh, kind of creating some models, some predictive models, um, uh, having the pleasure of using, you know, le uh, leveraging corporate resources <laughs> uh, to learn. Um, you know, the servers, good servers, and I... Uh, I remember one day there was one server that I had to share with this other team, you know, and the R&D team. And uh, I remember clocking the server crazy because I put a parallel process and I all used all 16 cores on it. And it was just kind of, you know, it wasn't allowing for anything else to be done. And somebody else came and said, hey, Pedro, can you, you know, are you running anything crazy? Can you give us a little bit? <laughs> um, so even at a large company, you're still kind of like, you know, sharing uh it's interesting stuff yeah so you know i i wanted i got more and more into the machine learning stuff neural networks uh i you know at that time which was a, more than five years ago just over five years uh it wasn't as sophisticated as today i'm telling you guys that the pace of ai research has been crazy and in the last one year it's been breakneck, like it's been unreal no one can keep up folks in the industry can't keep up no one um now before we also at that time you know five years ago ish uh we also had a breakthrough with jeff hinton you know that's uh you know i think we had ImageNet or you know i think whatever it was, it was one of the biggest papers that we had it was uh it's one of the reasons he was coined as the godfather um as of deep learning one of the godfathers of deep learning uh, because of his one of his breakthroughs you know which is very cool uh, for being torontonian you know, it's a, it's a cool little thing. Jeff Hinton is a big player. Yoshia Bengio, uh, I'm a Canadian that's a very big player in artificial intelligence. And there was a third one, Russell, I think Zimmerman, um, which was, I believe, Calgary. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but, I mean, these three folks, uh, and I might be mistaken, the third one, but I know um, Jeff Hinton and, and Yoshio Bengio for sure. Uh, these folks had a huge contribution so cool cool stuff <laughs> and uh, you know this was how always been you know something that i knew um you know ml from from you know five six years even before that um when i started dedicating my my little bit more of my learnings and my resources towards data learning about data databases data processing visualizing um flows it ultimately comes down to flows right your your flow of information workflows and you know information pipelines and how do you you know tr uh, tr uh, manipulate and how do you tr how do you even portray and visualize this data um that's, that's kind of how it all started right and even my company today is called data finery right you take data and you refine it and you make it into something useful right and that's the big thing for me wherever i went um you know when i was a sales guy i always tried to you know look at excel spreadsheets and look at um try to come up with my own you know unique whatever it is based on product and you know what have you come up with a way that i can reach the best customers right the ones that are likely most likely to buy you know i would look at uh, you know the sales differences between this year and last year the biggest variance for example i would try to figure out why um i would at least call them and try to ask you know what happened um nonetheless i i, I very much believe in a quantitative approach I believe in a fact-based decision-making environment. 
Um, but of course, I realize that's not always possible. It's a luxury, especially when you're running a startup yourself. You realize this, right? You realize there's so many things you should be doing, but you just can't. You just don't have the time. You don't have the resources. And quite frankly, you don't have the, the capacity mentally and emotionally. You know, there's this thing called burnout, right? There's a, a anxiety. You get overwhelmed, you know. Then, of course, emotions... You know, you you have some sort of heartbreak. Somebody dies. You know, I know it sounds grim and whatever, right? Um, but it's a reality, right? Somebody, you have to go through a pain. This is something we all have to go through. It's not something that's foreign to any of us. Um, you know, and at some point in our lives, we have to go through drastic pains. At what point will it come? So all this to say, um, you know, we don't have the time and energy. Uh, to know to do what we know we have to do right so we know we need to, to be more quantitative more data driven as an entrepreneur as a business person right i've been around um you know quite a bit like i said when i was in a you know a younger environment with uh you know small businesses and and whatnot right um and you can see how everybody is how the owners are everyone kind of goes based on gut, gut decisions right whenever if you know um a small business owner and or you yourself are one or startup person, you know how much gut goes into this, right? How important gut feeling is. Um, and that's, that's important. I still value that, you know, greatly. I, I till this day, one of the advice that I give, um, you know, the younger versions of myself are, uh, is that, yeah, you need to trust your gut. You know, there's a reason your gut is essentially, you know, uh, it's your subconscious talking to you, right? It's, it's an amalgamation of all your data points throughout your life, you know, kind of coming together and from your subconscious being processed and, and signaling something to you. Um, so gut is something that's very important. Now, how much more powerful would it be when it's coupled right with a data-driven environment where you can actually validate your hypotheses right where you want to you know run an experiment where you say okay let's try this instead of that you know and um let's see how it goes right this way when you're running a team and your 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 team has a suggestion somebody on your team has a suggestion instead of shooting it down you know you can always say okay let's run it for a week and let's see what the data show right so you know being a data-driven company as data uh, data finery is and uh you know it's it's uh, it, it it adds a lot of efficiency to your day-to-day it adds um at least from a mental capacity from a psychological capacity you can sleep a little bit better at night <laughs> right at least you feel like you feel like you know a little bit more um, anyways, I feel like this is running a bit long. I did not intend <laughs> on this running this long at all. Um, you know, I'm just getting a hang of things. It looks like I'm using uh, a garage band as my recorder. And I've reached 1,045 bars. I don't, I'm not entirely sure what that means. That's like over an hour, I think. <laughs> um, you know, it's cool. I like this. You know, I feel... You know, it's going to take a little bit for me to find my groove, you know, to see what, A, the technical issue is that I'm kind of experiencing. It's a minor leg, which I shouldn't. It's a direct input into the mic. But anyways, I won't bore you with all these details um, behind the scenes of how, sausage, the, the, how the sausage is made. <laughs> um, nonetheless, 
I want to thank you guys for joining yet again and hearing me ramble and, uh, you know, talk my shit, if you will. Um, yeah, you know, that was just a bit of, I guess, some of my background. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, AI and, uh, you know, what got me here today um, and why I started Data Finery. Uh, just to kind of summarize and wrap that up, which is, you know, I, I started and left the corporate world to kind of give the, the entrepreneurs um, access to uh, data because they have some, even though they don't know it, they have some data and, the, and there's enough data out there. So, yeah, I wanted to liberate, um, you know, their, their decision making prowess and, and their expand their possibilities um, by giving them a new dimension. Um, which is in addition to their gut feeling, some quantitative data and reasoning. And uh, here we are today. So until next episode, you know, we'll dive a little bit deeper um, into, again, you know, what it is uh, that makes data science, what it is that makes uh, machine learning, or we won't. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that next episode goes and what ChatGPT has, for, uh, has, for, has in store for us. I can't talk. It's 12.40 at night right now when I'm recording this. Probably too late. My brain has stopped. But um, I have fun doing it. So thank you, guys. I'll talk to you later. Cheers.